0: One of the literal meanings for joy is a a fullness, just as for us to be at peace is for us to be whole, for us to have joy in our hearts is for us to be full. And so that's what we see today. If we look at John chapter 15, we're gonna go down to verse 11 because this is the key for everything else we're gonna talk about today. This is what it stems from because he says this, he said, Jesus said, I have told you these things. We're going to discuss what these things are. But he said, I have told you these things so that my joy or my fullness may be in you and that your joy or your fullness may be complete. And so let us open up in prayer as we try to seek to understand what Christ has for us here. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. God, I pray that you would just uh, remove the fog from our eyes, that you would reveal your word to us, that it would be planted in our hearts like a seed, God, that it would grow and it would bear fruit just as you have intended for us. God, that we would see the things that your son has done, and that we would see that it's not our performance or it's not our uh, circumstances or it's not any of the things of this world, that our joy should be contingent upon. It is in you. It is from you. And so, God, please fill us with joy make us whole, and then fill us up completely. God, share with our hearts, our souls, what they long for today. Let us be unburdened, let us be at rest, and let us be fed and nourished by your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So what are these things that Jesus is telling us so that we may have joy and that we may be full and that My joy, meaning Christ's joy, his fullness, what pleases him, what gives him calm delight, what gives him gladness, that they may be in us and that we may be made complete from that. We have to go back up to the beginning of what he's saying here. And that starts in chapter 15, verse one, because it carries over after he talks about peace in 14, then he says, get up, let us leave this place. And so it's not a continuation of that. We have to cut it off right there. So in 15 verse one, we come in and says, "Jesus says this: "I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more. You are already clean, as he's talking to the disciples. You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. And so he asks them, he begs them. This is a part of the upper room discourse. This is some of the last things that Jesus is teaching to his disciples before he was going to be betrayed, before he was going to be crucified. This is his last hurrah with the boys, and this is what he was telling him. Listen, remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you, you can do nothing without me. So if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, They throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me or abide, that word for remain can also be translated abide. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, they're held together, they're intimately bonded, they're staying. Then, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. He says this, my father is glorified by this that you can produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples, as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. So remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and, his re- and remain in his love. So these are the things. These are the things that make us complete. These are the things that put Christ's joy, his fullness into us. So we have to seek to understand them. We have to work through them. And so we see this at the very beginning. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. It is through Christ that we are grafted into this vine, just like we see all throughout scripture. He uses this parable, these metaphors over and over again. And he explains it like this. Every branch in me on this vine that does not produce fruit, he removes, meaning God the Father removes and God the Father, He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more, will produce more fruit. But before we can even begin to understand that, we have to go a little bit farther. And He says this Unless it remains on the vine, nothing can produce fruit, neither can you unless you remain in me. Because you, as you go down to the bottom of verse 5, He says, You can do nothing without me, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And so we see here that this isn't necessarily a parable or or an understanding that we're going to fall away if we're not doing enough, if we're not doing enough works, if we're not pumping out fruit, if we're not doing what he says, he's not going, uh, we're gonna fall away, we're gonna wither and die and he's gonna cast us into the fire. That's the way people take it. A lot of times we look at this and it does not bring us joy as Christ intends for it to as we see down in verse 11. What it brings us is this feeling of dread like I'm not doing enough. I'm not performing enough. I'm not bearing enough fruit. But that's not what he intends. The first thing that we have to recognize from this is that it's only by being connected to him, only by being a part of the vine you as a branch, that you can even begin to produce fruit. You have to be connected to Christ. You can do nothing without him. Yes, you can work, you can serve, you can give, but what God shows us and tells us is that nothing eternal, nothing of God. You can go and serve and you can get your face in the paper and they can say, look what a nice guy he is. Look at all that he does, but that's for your self-gratification it's driven out of these wrong motives and it's driven from your efforts and your desires and what you think you can do. What Jesus is showing us here and what he's telling the disciples is that, listen, the things that I have for you, because obviously he's been teaching them over and over, I'm going to die, I'm going to be resurrected, you are going to plant the church, you are going to spread the seeds, you are going to be what grows the church, my church. And what Jesus is saying here is that every branch in me, every branch in me, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You have been forgiven. You've been redeemed. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. You will produce these things because you're tied to me. So it's not by your own power. It's not by your own efforts. The fruit only comes through God. It is because we are connected directly to him. He is the source. Jesus Christ is the source through which we have life. And it's through him and his power and his enabling of us that we're going to be able to produce fruit and do these things that make an eternal difference. What does he ask of us here? Remain in me. Abide in me, hold on to me, be close with me, have a relationship with me. That's what God asks of us. Not to perform miracles, but to allow him, the one who empowers us, the one who gives us life, to then live through us, work through us. And he is the one who will produce the fruit. He is the one who will pump out more. And listen, for those that produce fruit, God is going to come, the Father, and he is going to prune every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more. So not only is God going to give you a purpose, not only does God desire for you to abide in the Son, to become close to him, to hold on to him, but if you do that, he's going to give you a purpose. And in fulfilling that purpose, he's going to prune, he's going to enable, he's going to chip away, cut away, at your life so that you become more and more effective. Isn't this this just a better understanding of if, if God is the potter and we are the clay and he is molding us and he is shaping us, who is he molding and shaping us into being? My best self, my best self is broken and it is sinful. But when I die to myself, when i allow god to prune when i allow him to mold and to shape and to chip away what he's doing is he's making me more like christ for have to have christ's fullness dwell within me to have all the fruits of the spirit, all the things that are uh, expressions of who Christ is, what he showed us, how he lived out, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of these things, aspects and characteristics, not just of Christ, but of God the Father as well. That is what he wants to implant in me. That's the fruit that he wants to grow out of me and that he wants to grow out of each and every one of you. We have to remember when he's talking about these, these branches that aren't producing fruit. These branches that are going to be taken away, they're going to wither, and they're going to be thrown in the fire. We have to remember his audience here. Judas sat there. Judas, who had seen everything that Christ had done, he had witnessed the miracles, he had heard his teachings, and yet Judas did not believe. Judas followed for a time, but when it served him, better. Judas was used as a tool of the enemy. We see even later on that Satan entered into him after Jesus made it clear, you're going to be the one who betrayed me. And so we see here we need to have joy first of all because our lives are eternally tied to Jesus Christ. We are the branches. He is the vine. And we cannot be taken away from that? First of all, by anyone but God. And he's saying the only ones who are really taken away are the ones who were never in me to begin with. I remain, remain in me and I in you. And if we remain in Christ and if he remains in us, then we'll bear fruit. Then we know we're attached to the vine. Then we know that we will have this eternal life and that he's going to produce Fruit from us, and it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard because He is chipping away at our worldliness. He's chipping away at our love for ourselves, and He's creating us more into His image. But regardless, I have joy because my life is tied to Christ. And the next thing that we can be joyful for is because it's not about our own efforts. We struggle and we strive to please God. But what we see here, we we do that with our works. We do that with our actions. What God wants is us. What God desires, what he cherishes, what he wants to hold on to, and then through that, move us forward. Is for us to just simply remain in him, abide in him. Love him the way that he loves us. we're going to see that expressed more clearly soon. Remain in me and I in you. If we do, he'll produce fruit. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then we go to verse six, or seven. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, if we are abiding together so close, we are holding on to each other like this, then you can ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. This is one of those verses we can go to, we can abuse. Listen, because you think like, well, if I wanna ask God for a Lamborghini, God should give me a Lamborghini. It makes it very clear right here. God, if I want a million dollars, I promise I'll (laughs) give some of it away. Like, God, I'll use that to honor you. You should give me these things. Whatever you want, it will be done for you. And so now, God becomes our our debit card. But that's not what he's saying. And we have to look at it very closely to see this. He says in verse 7, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. My words. If only we had access to those. They're right here. If God's word if Christ's words, his teaching, his commands, love one another, serve one another, forgive, all these things that are laid out for us in scripture, his teaching, who he is as he reveals himself as both man and God, as the son of man, as the son of God, as he reveals to us through scripture uh, all of who God is, all of his love and his concern for us, all these different things, that is what, if, we, if his words, His promises, his commands, his teachings, the things that he has done in the past that he tells us about, the things that he asks for us to do now, and the things that he promises he is coming to do again later. If these things, God's word, remains in us, that is one of the things that's going to lead us to joy. And it's when we're that connected with him, when we are holding on to his words, when he is in us, dwelling within us through the Holy Spirit, when we are uh, feeding ourselves, nourishing ourselves with his words and they are remaining in us. That's when our wills, the will of God, the will of myself, if I'm abiding in him, if I'm clinging to his word, that's when our wills and our hearts in Christ's image is going to be so powerfully reflected in me that when I pray for something, when I ask for something, it is going to be something that is in God's will. Just, and again, look at who he was talking to here. These disciples, these disciples who were going to go out and they were going to plant the church. They were going to preach and teach before thousands. They were going to be imprisoned. They were going to be tortured. They were going to be martyred. And they were going to lead to conversion after conversion, people putting their faith in God to the point in which their work, the people that they shared the gospel with, those that they changed, those that they ministered to through the power of Jesus, they are why we are here today. It has been that effective. It has been that strong. Look at the promises that God did. Look at the work that he did. All because these men as they went about they asked for the salvation of others. They prayed for the words to say, whether in front of the governmental authorities or in front of the rulers of that day. They prayed and they asked to be released from prison. They prayed for people to be converted. They prayed for demons to be driven out of people. All of these things. And the promises that he had for them, that w- what he's teaching his disciples here in his last days, last moments, last hours with them, are these things because they're that important and they're that important for us as well. Because without us evangelizing, without us serving, without us being a light for the gospel, it will not move forward. That's our role. That's the fruit that he has for us. You look at these countries where they, two, three generations ago, had a strong Christian faith present within their countries. And then that has died, or it's disappeared. It's because they were were not faithful to what he has for them, to the roles, to the fruit that he wanted them to bear. So if you remain in me, and my words, God's words remain in you, then we'll be so knit together, so close, that we'll pray for the things that are in God's will, and they will be done. And our faith can be strengthened by these answered prayers. He says this, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. We are his disciples as well. If you don't have fruit in your life, it may be because You are not tied to the branch the way that you think. You are not tied to the vine the way that you think you are. So after this, when we can get down on ourselves, when we can start examining our life and considering like maybe I'm not doing enough, maybe this, maybe that. Christ comes in with this in verse nine. As the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. We could just talk about that all day. We can sit here and look at this. As the Father, as God the Father loves Christ the Son, as we've seen in Mark, as we've worked through it, God came down from the heavens at the bench, This is my son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Later on the Mount of Transfiguration, God's voice came, this is my son. Listen to him. And here we see now Jesus telling this to us, revealing this to us. As the father loves me, his son, his perfect servant his most humble the only man who has ever been unhindered by sin in any way shape or form Uh, because we've said over and over christ loved without sin being involved so selflessly perfectly he expressed love selflessly perfectly he expressed compassion he expressed joy he expressed all these things he was patient he was kind Just as God was in love with and pleased with and and honoring of the Son, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. And Christ is the one who intercedes for us between us and God the Father. He's the one who even now is sitting at the right hand of the throne, hopefully pleading, pleading, for me, pleading for you, interceding on our behalf, That is the love that He has for us. And we can John 3:16 16, and we can say, you know, God so loved the world that he gave up this Son, this Son <laughs> in which He has loved so much, so dearly, in a perfect love, because they are one. They are inseparable. God gave up His self gave up his son for us. That is the love that, that the Father has for Jesus and through Jesus we understand the love that God has for us. What does Christ demand of us? What does he beg of us? What is it, In any way you can say it, what does he ask? What does he plead for? That we would just remain in my love So far, all that we've seen throughout this passage is that for our joy to be complete, for us to be made full through Christ, full in Christ, we have to remain in him. We have to remain in his word and we have to remain in his love. That's all he asks for. So we can't base our joy off of how well we think we're doing. We have to base our joy in the fact that just as the Father loved Christ, Christ now loves us. He gave his life for us at the behest of the Father, that he submitted himself even to the point of death. And it's because of that that we can be saved, that we can be free, that we no, have to, no longer have to live enslaved to our sin, that our future is no longer death and damnation. And so if we know that that is our eternity, if that is the rest of our existence, that it's all tied up in him, our, uh, our life is tied up in Jesus Christ, our, our work does not come from ourselves, but it comes through Christ working through us, that, that God loves us so much, how can we not be full? How can we not be joyful, despite whatever our situations are? Despite whatever we're going through, these bumps and bruises, tests and trials that come in this life, how can we not be full with the fact that Christ has handled all of it because of God's love for us and that eternally in the end, because right now where we are in this portion of life, it is just so tiny, so small compared to eternity. That is where we're headed. And that should bring us joy. We don't get so bogged down in today that we forget that a tomorrow's coming. Even though our life here on this earth is never guaranteed, it's never promised, when you have Christ, you don't need to fear the next day because you may not have a next day, but you are promised eternity with Jesus Christ in the presence of God where you will be made whole, where you will be, Full and you will be in his presence you will be in conformed and shaped and share in the glory that Christ has Forgetting that Steals our joy Forgetting that losing sight of that is why we can find ourselves caught up in it's why we can find ourselves enslaved in the darkness of depression it's why we can find ourselves caught up in, in anger and frustration it's because we forget that eternity is coming we forget that all of myself should be connected to and thriving from jesus christ and that's because many of us as he says here as he asks of us, like, if you wanna remain in me, have my word remain in you. It's because we don't let that dwell within our hearts. We don't let Christ's word, him as the living word, dwell within us. Most of us have a one to two day a week kind of faith, or one to two days a week We come in, and and whether it's Wednesday night or or Sunday or whatever it may be, that's when you remember. That's when you focus on. That's when you experience God and, and you dwell with him and you let him dwell with you and abide in you. Because that's when you actually take the time out of your life to focus and to share and be in a relationship with him. And that makes every other day just that more miserable. That makes every other situation, every other temptation, every other place that we go in our lives just that much harder to bear. What God has for us, God has for us each and every moment of each and every day. He is our life. He's not supplemental to our lives. And so if we want joy, if we want a fullness then part of that comes by simply remaining in him, remaining in his word, remaining in his love, and as we see in verse 10, letting that drive us towards obedience. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. God didn't have... Special conditions for his son. Jesus came and he was tempted just as we are tempted. He went through everything that a man goes through. He went through everything that a teenage boy goes through. He was tempted and he was tried and he was tested even more so than us, even greater than us because Satan himself came down and offered him everything if he would turn away from what God had. But the ruler of this world had no power and no authority over our son, over our savior. And so if Christ can be obedient, if, if Christ can hold on to this, if Christ, who we see throughout the example of his life, even though fully God, even though fully man, he clung to God, he worshiped God, he prayed to him continuously, he cried out to him in his times of hurt in his times of need as we see as he's begging God like, take this cup from me if it is in your will even up until the point of his death Christ humbled himself laid himself aside accepted any suffering any trials, any torments, any accusations anything any uncomfortable situation faced any opponent all because he was obedient To God, because He fully understood the love of God. And He fully understood what it meant to be full and whole and what God had for each and every one of us. Jesus got to experience just a little bit here on this earth and now knows completely and understands completely. And that's why He's desperate for us, desperate for us to produce fruit. Desperate for us to follow him as his disciples. Like my father is glorified by this. Produce the fruit. Prove to be my disciples. We do that by remaining in him. Holding on to him. And if we do that. His joy. My joy. May be in you. And your joy may be complete. So let us all search for this. Let us all pray to God for this. Because listen. This is in God's will. You may pray for that raise or that Lambo or that whatever. May not be in God's will. May it all align with his plan. Because God gave me a raise and a Lambo, I probably wouldn't be following His will. But if I align myself with Him, if I have His word remaining in me, if I rest my life in the love that He has shown that He has for me. I can have joy. I can get over the things of today, the things of this life, and I can have a joy in an eternity made possible by Jesus Christ. I can let Him work through me, produce fruit through me, and be whole and full and full of joy. Terry, feel come on. Many other ways we can dig into this. This passage is a a kiddie pool that we can play in. It's an ocean that we can drown in. I hope that we can just see what God has for us. Joy because our life is tied to his. Joy because it's not about our performance. Joy because of how much he loves us. And joy because we can be so close to him. So, so intimate with our Savior that we can pray and we can receive and that we can obey and that we can live in his love. Let us stand and worship together as we go.